Now, it is true that human beings evolved to become suspicious of change. We are hardwired to resist uncertainty. Our brains, we would actually prefer, and you can, they've done many tests over this over the years, people are designed that they would rather experience a predictable, even negative outcome over an uncertain one. On one hand, one of the beautiful things about our minds are that they are adaptive and they're flexible. We can be trained to actually thrive in change and it's actually one of our greatest advantages as a species that we can notice changes in our environment and then we can adapt. It's one of the brilliant things about being human. Our fear of change though, of transformation, it's largely rooted in that we want to feel like we're in control. That when we're faced in the, with the prospect of needing to change, something happens inside our, our limbic systems activate and we worry. And some of us, we worry a lot. Just this last week, I was talking to somebody who was actually experiencing so much anxiety about the stock market that they thought they maybe needed to go into the hospital for care. That's a lot of worry and concern over something that is out of your control. And so people, we will stay in a bad situation. We'll stay in a, a relationship or a job. We get stuck. Religious teaching should, should help us understand a simple truth that nothing, nothing is forever. Everything changes. And that is the universal design. That's part of God's plan. Brothers and sisters, we want you to know about people who have died so that you won't mourn like others who don't have any hope. When it comes to our lives, there's a truth with all of us. We have to face our mortality. One of the things about being human is, is that you come to realize that you're going to die eventually. And it can be a gift to know that this is true, that our time is limited. Because our hope is not to live in this body forever. That is not our hope. Our hope is to live a life that matters, no matter how long that life is, a life that has a purpose. And as we said last week, it is a goal in life to live a life of genius at the art of living, compassionate lives. And I, and I say it every week for a reason. I will go to the back doors and I will say to, to, to ask you to live compassionately, to love faithfully, and to celebrate every moment of your life from now until its finale. Because God works through you. God is in you. And I, I do that every week because I want that to be written on your heart. 
to live your life, live the days that you have in such a way that when your body does die, that is not the greatest tragedy because you lived, because you loved. And I think this even about children. I've done services for children. We have children in the congregation who have conditions that they probably won't live to see an old age. The orphanage that we support with HIV-infected children in Malawi, those children will not grow necessarily to see a real long age. But in the days that they had, do they feel loved? Do they feel seen? And do they feel that in their soul? Did, did people, did they have people like you in their lives who told them er, er, from the moment that they were born how absolutely precious they are? Because if so, it doesn't mean that we won't mourn. But we won't mourn like one who has no hope. That truth certainly changes how I parent. I know that our lives, that every one of us is fragile. My children are fragile. And there is so much that is not in my control. Anybody who's ever had a kid start to drive, when they drive away, you feel that pretty intensely, don't you? But I can try to live the days that I have without fear, without regret, because I have loved them completely. It didn't mean, doesn't mean that I wouldn't grieve and I wouldn't mourn profoundly, but not as one without hope. But our minds are hardwired to resist change, uncertainty. And we have to grow spiritually to get unstuck, trapped even. So here's what I want you to do with God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Mm -hmm. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. That's a, a paraphrased translation of Romans 12, which is, it, it, it's, I got to tell you, if, if there's one scripture, one chapter of scripture that to me is, is a fave, that's it. There is so much wisdom in those words. And the words for today, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking it. It happens. It happens. You start thinking that you're normal. 
what you perceive as normal is in fact how things should be for everyone. You know, they, they talk about it. if white men are the only people that you see, see in positions of power, you start thinking that that's just how it should be. If heterosexual couples are the only people that you see that have kids, then you th start thinking, well, you know, that's the only way that a family could be. Let God continue to speak. Allow yourselves to be renewed by the transforming of your mind. This is how we spiritually grow from being stuck to experiencing a fullness of life. This is how we grow from being stuck in a job or a, a relationship or a situation that is just sucking the life out of you and you know it. Because if you are taking your spiritual growth seriously, then you are constantly curious. Considering about how God may be present or speaking in your life. You challenge your normal. Because of that curiosity, you challenge your perspective. Now, I was, telling, I was saying just earlier, many years ago, I studied in India. And I became aware of an amazing writer, artist, comedian, Raghava KK. Or some, some of his friends would call him Rags. And a while back, he wrote a children's book for kids in India in particular. Take, take a look. But, you know, I have a problem with children's books. I think they're full of propaganda. At least an Indian trying to get one of these American books in Park Slope, forget it. It's not the way I was brought up. So I said, I'm going to counter this with my own propaganda. If you notice carefully, it's a homosexual couple bringing up a child. <laughs> Don't like it? Shake it. And you have a lesbian couple. Shake it. And you have a heterosexual couple. You know, I don't even believe in the concept of an ideal family. I, but I must say, I'll never forget when I was 13 years old, this happened. Babri Masjid, which is one of the most beautiful mosques in India, built by King Baba, I think in the 16th century, was demolished by Hindu activists. This caused major riots in my city. And for the first time, I was affected by this communal unrest. My little, uh, little five-year-old uh, kid neighbor, comes running in and he says, rags, rags, uh, you know, the Hindus are killing us Muslims, be careful. I'm like, dude, I'm Hindu. <laughs> He's like, oh! Uh, you know, you know, my work is inspired by events such as this. Even in my gallery shows, I try and revisit historic events like Babri Masjids. Distill only its emotional residue and image my own life. Imagine history being taught differently. Remember that children's book where you shake and the sexuality of the parents change? I have another idea. It's a children's book about Indian independence. Very patriotic. But when you shake it, you get Pakistan's perspective. <laughs> shake it again, and you get the British perspective. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you have to separate facts from bias, right? Sometimes you just got to shake it up. To look at things, anytime you start thinking that you feel trapped or in a situation in life, sometimes you need to shake it up. Or as Raghava said, sometimes you need to extend that out to religion or racial or national identity. Once you become so 
well-adjusted to your identity. Once you think you've got it all figured out, you need to, to shake it up, to look at things differently. As you consider what God's presence and what God may be speaking to you, you may, you need to be able to shake up that perspective. And that takes practice. It doesn't just naturally occur. If you're a progressive or a conservative, and you cannot imagine how any thinking person could possibly see things another way, you need to shake it up. If you are a Christian or an atheist, and you do not how uh, you do not see how somebody could possibly think that you're wrong, then you need to, to shake it up. If you think that being an American means that you have it better than everyone else on the planet by virtue of where you happen to be born, you need to shake it up. Anytime that you have become so well adjusted to the culture, that you can't start thinking that there's anything else out there or anything even maybe better. You need to shake it up. You need to change your perspective. And that is a total Jesus move. Total Jesus move. When his own religion was telling him about whom and how he could heal, you know what he did? He literally got up and he went to visit people on the other side of the lake where the Gentiles lived. He shook it up. And when he was encouraged by the people around him even to do what was expected of a Messiah and drive the Romans out, he let them kill him and think that that was going to end him. And then he shook that whole idea up of what power is. And when his followers thought that they were only there to reform Judaism, God's Spirit sent them out to shake it up and to try new things with their Gentile neighbors. Each time it happened, each time there is spiritual growth and there's peace. In uncertain times, like right now, it is easy and it's tempting even to go with what you know. We are hardwired to resist uncertainty of change. But we can be trained. We can be trained to change and to thrive. You can look at your whole life, everything before this day, as the chapters that came before. Just by the fact that you're alive right now, it is not the end of the story. There is more light. There is more love for you. But you have to be willing to change your perspective, to shake things up. And that's going to look different for each one of us. Now, there are some of us who may not be convinced that they don't actually have it all figured out. They, they're pretty sure that they've got it figured out. Or, and this is the one I hear even more often, that they have as much figured out as they need. Okay. In that case, you don't need God. Because you've already claimed the title. 
Good luck with that. Now, most of us, and I, and I count myself in this, most of us don't know what to do. So I'm going to put out a suggestion. Get out of your comfort zone. Do something that is completely different. Observe and listen. Go to a Juneteenth party. I grew spiritually in India because it was so different. Getting out of my comfort zone helped me see perspectives that I would not. My family still teases me because I remember I was in a village and um, what the thing to do was you brush your teeth with a stick, a neem stick. So somebody gave me a stick and said, brush your teeth. I was like, sure. I would normally not brush a stick if you gave me a stick to do that. But because I was in a different place, I was open to new perspectives and new ways of doing things. You know what Jesus did? Jesus got out with people and he broke bread with anybody. He ate with anybody. He got to know people from all sorts of backgrounds. He got to know Nicodemus, the curious conservative. He got to know a Gentile woman when it wasn't so cool for a man just to be talking to a woman, a Gentile woman who thought that Jews were all uppity. And he got to know a Roman officer who might be called on at any point to crucify Jews. Jesus got together with all sorts of people. Church, what we're doing it was designed to be a community of all sorts of people with different backgrounds, with inclusion and compassion as our core values. And yet I'm going to go out on a limb and say that is not how we're known today. So I wonder. I wonder if a church community like ours, like us, could host meals, bringing people together intentionally. Inviting people, getting out of our comfort zones. We've done things like this before, and they've been good. And it's been a long time. It's been a long time with the pandemic. It's been a while. I think it's time for us to do that again. Could we start a new chapter? <clears throat> Could we help ourselves and our neighbors in a divided world find peace? Are you being called to be a person like that? We inherit a tradition. We inherit a legacy of dreaming fierce new dreams. It is our charge to shake things up.